So I finally got to across the years. I had left my house at like seven o'clock at night, and now I'm at across the years at probably around, I don't know, it was about around noon. And, uh, you know, they're setting it up, pretty big operation. Uh, the across the years has this really long aid station. It's just got the one main aid station because, you know, it's only a one mile loop. And it's probably, it seems like, what's kind of cool is you can like walk in it and just walk by and see what's there. And it's probably a good, you know, 30, 40 yards long. And that's where the timing chip is. And then there's just this big, huge tent city where they set up tents for the athletes who want to rent them. And they rent you tents and sleeping bags and cots and all that stuff. Um, thankfully, they really set me up really nicely. And I got to pick a tent. And I had a tent right by, uh, you know, Kuros, his set up there. And uh, never really been to Phoenix that I really remember ever hanging out there. But Phoenix and Bakersfield are very similar. They're both deserts, basically you know, five, six inches of rain a year. So the weather was very similar. Nice, sunny, warm day for the most part. But I knew it was going to probably get cold at night. Um, since I was pretty much wide awake and I wanted to help out a little bit, I volunteered to hand out bibs. And that was pretty nice because I got to meet all the other athletes. And like I said, this race was unusual. California by now had been racing for a couple of years. And so I knew quite a lot of the West Coast people. There was just tons of East Coast people and some people from around the world. Um, Kuros and his guys showed up and um i remember they you know he had a couple of guys on a crew um people and they went out and they measured the whole course I remember they were out there with like twine and i guess he was figuring out the shortest route i later heard that he didn't really like the course it was pretty hard like firm packed ground it was also very dusty and he basically said it's not a very fast course and you know I myself never go out and check out courses before the race, so I definitely did not want to know what I was encountering because I figured, you know, I got six days. I'll get to learn everything I need to learn <laughs> um, then. So, you know, like I said, I've been up for a long time, couldn't really sleep. wasn't the greatest plan for a six-day race. And um, it was interesting when I was on the bus at like 2 or 3 in the morning, I actually had some internet Wi-Fi, and I got on Expedia, and I booked a plane to fly home so i had my flight home so i at least wasn't going to be subjecting myself because i realized man i'm going to be out here for six days the last thing i want to do is another one of those 12 hour um bus rides and plus i found out that flights weren't too they're pretty cheap uh phoenix is a, definitely a hub and bakersfield flies directly to phoenix should have known that but you know it was what it was so you know handed out bibs what i found out too was they had our names on the bibs and a cool little flag from either the state you're from or the country you're from. And there were some of the bibs that didn't have names on them, so I had to use a stencil and print names on them. And I didn't really find out, you know, I was like, well, wow, they're putting names on them. But then I guess their tradition in looped multi-day races like I was doing, or I guess any timed events, is that you don't wear your bib in your front. You wear it on your uh, on your back. And so everybody pretty much, you know, and so that way when they're running up, they can go, hey, it's Andy or hey, it's, you know, KGB from Sweden. And that was kind of a nice little touch that I found out the next day. So I handed out all that. Then the problem was I didn't have any car or transportation. And so I didn't really have any supplies. And I, um, uh, you know, this is pre-Lyft and Uber. I don't think they're Lyft and Uber around. And so there was a Rite Aid CVS across the street. So I had to do kind of a hike over there got some supplies and then was kind of pretty dang hungry i should have probably ordered some pizza or something 
So I didn't really eat a lot. And then it was finally getting, you know, well, it gets dark there. Uh, they don't do daylight savings time. So in Bakersfield, it's getting dark like at 4.45, 5 o'clock. There it was getting dark around 6. But it was getting dark. And they're pretty much things were settling down for the next evening. Um, I don't know where Kuros was. I imagine he was probably staying at someone's home. And uh, pretty much everyone kind of cleared out except for the people putting on the race. And I was bunking down with the other people who had kind of flown in um, that day. And uh, should have been should have been a I should have gotten a hotel. <laughs> of course, this was kind of Expedia time. It was even before Airbnb. You know, it's 2013, 2014. But I definitely use Airbnb and and um, Lyft and Ubers and that type of things nowadays. So even though I was really super tired, I'm a terrible sleeper at best. In fact, one of the things that's great about my congestive heart failure, or not great, but I got on some proper medication and doing some other things, and like my sleep has just improved a lot. I never slept a lot, which helps me in these multi-day races, but back then I'd maybe sleep four or five hours a night, and I was in my own bed. And so here I'm trying to sleep in this tent, and it was a big stand-up tent, which turned out to be a mistake because you can't keep those things warm. And it had a cot, but the cot was pretty miserable. And, you know, I had the sleeping bag. And that first night, I found out that um, it gets really, really cold in Phoenix. I mean, here in Bakersfield, if you've watched my videos, you know, it's like high 30s in the morning. And then it warms up to 60, 70 during the day, which is what happens in Phoenix. But in Phoenix at night, it gets really cold. I mean, below freezing, you know, in the, you know, below zero Celsius. It's like in the 20s there. And that night, I was super cold. I had on all the clothing I could possibly that I brought with me. And this is stuff that I've hiked in the High Sierra with and I've been pretty comfortable in. And I, of course, took the bus there, so I didn't really have any a lot of gear. I remember I ended up getting another sleeping bag and toss and turn and tried to get some sleep. And, of course, got up way too early. And, of course, the race uh, across the years always starts at 9 a.m. You know, across the years, six-day race, and then of course there's 24-hour race every day, and there's 20, there's 48-hour races, and 72 hours. So there's lots of action because of Kuros being there and everything. And it starts on the 28th, and I don't remember what day a week it was. I could probably look it up, but there was just tons of people. It was just electric. I've been to a few uh, timed events like Beyond Limits, but maybe 70, 80, 80 people there, and so this was pretty amazing. There was a lot of people. The energy was through the roof. Um, because they don't do daylight savings time, the sun's not coming up till like 8-ish or so with the race starting at 9. It was pretty dang cold. And, of course, by now, you know, Joe Fijis is there, Kuros is there, and we're going to get this thing going. Um, they kind of went over the rules. Uh, Jamil was talking about, you know, you know, got to have your chip timing on you all the time. And you definitely, you know, got to – and we're going to change directions every four hours – and then, of course, one of the things was, you know, you're, you can't have pacers in the race and your crew can only do a certain amount of work for you. And then, of course, they also said, that, you know, as long as you're, you know, making forward progress and not, you know, and, you know, going going at a decent clip, you have the right of way. You don't have to, you know, get out of people's way. You know, if you are walking with other people or run, don't walk two, three abreast. And the good thing is, the course was pretty much a good firm consistency. I mean, it was wide. You know, it was, uh, you know, very easy to pass. And so we all line up for the start. And that was going to be my first day on my six-day race here in uh, Phoenix. And, like, finally they send us all off. And pretty much I take my place way in the back of the field. So, like I said, there was quite a few people. I probably could look it up. 
but there was seemed like a couple hundred people on this one mile loop and now when you start you kind of uh head off and we went um clockwise is the first part and so you kind of run on this nice uh dirt path it's a little bit hard and then you turn right and you go down something i really liked yeah there's a paved section and it seems slightly downhill it's a nice asphalt part later on the race this would be the few places where i would actually try and run because it i like i like roads and you didn't have to worry you never really had to worry about footing you're running at night it's pretty well lit you didn't need a headlamp so you run down the paved part and then the paved becomes dirt then you make another right hand turn and then you're on the back stretch and this is just a big dirt road you know path and there's a gigantic parking facility in fact if you go like a half a mile heading towards the cvs which is outside the facility so this is where a lot of people with campers and rvs would hang out later years it's where i would put my my tables and stuff because it's just a lot quieter and just kind of a better place to be and so you go down that and it's basically a quarter mile and that's a pretty straight shot again a place that i would often run um, because it was just you could close your eyes and just run down and pretty wide and stuff and then you get to the half mile mark just before you enter into the baseball facility and there there was another timing mat which would come into play with uh our uh porta potty bandit because he'd always miss that one kyle agnew kelly agnew kyle agnew kelly agnew and there was an aid station of sorts basically a person there watching you go through the timing thing and they had just basically water there and a few things and it was kind of nice later on the race it was kind of nice to see that guy or gal because you know you get kind of lonely out there in the middle of the night so then you would go down this nice long quarter mile straight away you get moving and then you would enter into the actual training facility and there was ball fields and there was like a kind of a winding path maybe eight to ten foot wide good footing for the most part but it did twist and turn throughout the the park and it's all grass on the sides and the ball fields i kind of wish that they actually had ball games going on while we were running it would kind of give you something to do and uh so you just kind of wind through this thing and it was kind of scenic and uh kind of pretty but i much prefer just going in a straight shot like you basically do in the first half mile of the race in this section with the curves and kind of other issues it was kind of a good surface for the most part it's kind of the surface they have on the ball fields kind of this clay type stuff but they didn't have it watered so it was awfully dry and it was pretty dusty and here's kind of where um like as people started going faster and faster like i walked the first 30 miles people were passing you constantly and everybody was super polite but it was an issue that there was just kind of a lot of traffic and like i said everyone's polite you know kuros and jofegis and a lot of the other people are just running past you and you would keep an eye on him, but you know you didn't have to be you know go wide or keep out of the way. But then there was this one guy that just kept being a jerk about it, and that's just kind of how it always is. But then like so you're winding through this, and about halfway through this section, there was the the hill of the course, and uh, you kind of go up this little rise and maybe gained ten feet, maybe over twenty or thirty yards. But by the time after six days, you really start to notice that, and then you'd wind through, and then you get back by. You're still in the training facility area, and then there's this one section that's about 50 yards of concrete um, where there were some concession stands and stuff. And, of course, there, too, was the only real bathroom in the facility that we could use. You had to kind of go off course, but I'll tell you, sometimes it was nice to go in there and use a real bathroom and had hot water. And later in the race, people were actually sleeping in there. But you'd run across that concrete, and then that would just kill your legs, even though it was very short. But I would usually run across that, and then you hit the dirt path again, and then you're finally back to the start finish area 
and you'd hit the A station. One of the things I learned really quickly was to always go through the A station because later on the race, like on the first day, you know, I was pretty still pretty hungry and I'd be on the other side of the loop and I'd be like someone would run by or walk by me and I'd be like, there's French toast. And so then when you get back to the start finish line again, you know, which is only a mile, you get there and it'd be gone. And you'd be like, damn it. And so I kind of pretty much learned every lap I would just go in there. And the way they had it set up is wide enough that you could actually walk in there and walk through real fast, see if there's anything good to eat, and then just be on your way. So on this first few hours, the first day, like I said, there was lots of people doing the 24. And they were flying around like usual during the daytime. They were really going fast. Uh, Joe and um, Joe Fijis and Giannis were right from the get-go super close never seemed to be more than a mile apart and they were just going round and round and running really well and it was pretty interesting to watch both of them Joe being a little bit younger and his plan was he just wanted to beat Kuros and of course Kuros wasn't really sure what he was up to I mean he definitely wanted to win and he seemed to be having difficulties he was wearing gaiters because of the dust and he seemed to be, the, the dust was really bothering him. And I heard through the grapevine that he was not very happy with the course and whatnot. And so that first day, fairly uneventful, just being lapped time and time again. And I was just kind of biding my time because I knew it was going to get cold at night. And I also knew that that's the time that I feel the best. And I knew that the, the field would thin out and it'd be a lot easier to put in some miles. And so I always tell people you need to save your energy during the day so you can move quickly at night, especially here, so you can just stay warm. So on to the next episode. I'll talk about that first night and uh, how things went and what I saw going on in the race, my first six-day official race with Janos Kuros.